With Pat Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, we are underway this hour on a Friday. It is September 29th. Welcome to the program. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Just wanted to say as we have kind of kicked off every hour for the last three or four days that uh, this hour just dedicated to good healing vibes to the Snow family, uh, Snowy Strong, and uh yeah all our good healing vibes being sent to kelsey and chris and willa and cohen right now and just wanted to make sure that uh, we preface everything that we're saying with that remains very heavy uh, on our minds and in our hearts right now it is time for the eric francis hour brought to you by horse racing alberta live thoroughbred racing is back every saturday and sunday at century down race century downs racetrack and casino post times 12:45. visit thehorses.com must be 18 plus please play responsibly look who's here eric francis is in the house in the hot stove lounge doug lacy's basement systems hot stove lounge here at the dome hello franchise how are you my man i'm good and i just i i wanted to i wanted to kick off this this eric francis hour um by telling you about the celebrity roast of ron mclean this saturday night so uh this saturday 5 p.m. at the Foothill Centennial Center in Okotoks. We've got the celebrity roast of Ron McClain. Celebrity roasters include Elliot Friedman, Tim Hunter, Hall of Famer Peter Marr, Kevin Lowe, just to name a few. Tickets start at $250. They include dinner, live auction, and, of course, you're in, the, you're, you're in attendance for the roast of Ron and all the proceeds going to the Western Canada Professional Scouts Foundation. You can get tickets, find out more information about the Western Canada Professional Scouts Foundation, more information about the event at HockeyScoutsFoundation.com. HockeyScoutsFoundation.com is the website. And I don't know, Eric, I, I see there's somebody on the line right now. Yeah, I thought I'd bring in uh, someone who knows a little bit about this event. And uh, his name is Ron McLean. Ron, thanks so much for joining us, my friend. Hey, Eric and Pat. I uh, hear you have a nice suit, Eric. And I, I'll tell you, I was planning to wear a suit to the rink tonight to the game. And I went to, it's been a day or two of reflection. I'm just coming, it's where I started my career, obviously. But one of the highlights of my career was Red Deer Rustler Junior A Hockey. And we'd always go to Peter's Drive-In, no matter where they played. Max oh, Bauer, yeah. uh, David Bauer, I mean, or uh, Max Bell. We would stop at Peter's on the way. So I went there and had a, a double with cheese and a chocolate banana shake. And now my suit doesn't fit. <laughs> Good choice, my friend, the chocolate banana. Listen, I, you're probably aware of this. Uh, good friend of mine owns Peter's now. They've expanded to Red Deer. I'm sure you've seen it there in Gasoline Absolutely. Alley. Yes. And, they, yeah. and they have one in Edmonton. And I keep trying to tell my buddy, Stephen Hayden, who runs it, you need to have a wall of fame for people who eat uh, have a milkshake in all three places in the same day. Do you think you could pull that one off? That's a great idea, and because uh, I remember when we did the Calgary games, it was always Peter's. When we went to Edmonton, whether it was Fort Saskatchewan, St. Albert, we went to the Saratoga 
restaurant and we would have either a beef or a hot turkey sandwich that was it was a completely different uh, experience but we really loved peters and you know the guys win or lose were there was an energy on the bus when we got to the drive-in yep yep that's a highlight listen thanks for joining us i'm glad uh, you're coming to town thanks for supporting this great cause you know garth malarchuk called me a couple weeks ago and said this is what we're trying to do we want to start up this foundation with the western professional uh, you know, Hockey Scouts Foundation, and, and we'll get into a little bit about why they're raising money and what they're doing with it. But tell me, of the, of the names of the people that are coming to roast you, and a couple that Pat didn't mention, John Shannon, uh, Dennis Bayak, um, Kevin Lowe, of course, he mentioned Tim Hunter, Elliot. Who are you worried about the most? Uh, Tim Hunter scares me. He always has scared me. He's <laughs> yeah, just, uh, you know, he's the funniest guy, and uh, I always am amazed that he went right behind Mark Messier in that legendary 1979 draft and played his thousand games. And it's funny, we're going to be in Okotoks. And I remember, because uh, Bearcat Murray, of course, uh, our legendary trainer and athletic therapist from Okotoks, uh, he, uh, one time Tim fought Marty McSorley in Edmonton. The fight went 10 minutes. And when he got back to the room, he asked Bearcat if there was any way he could get him some oxygen because he couldn't breathe. And so Bearcat <laughs> figured out a way to give him O2 and we think it might be the first time that was ever done in professional sports was Bearcat Murray. But so, Tim, uh, he, he packs a punch. He would be the guy oh, I'm, yeah. I'm most afraid of. In terms of stories, though, I, and I guess I want to go back a little bit because I don't know, I'm not sure a lot of people have been to roasts. You know, we've all heard of them. You've probably been right. the subject of many roasts. You've been to a million of them. You've been roasting people. What can people expect? I mean, it's not just cutthroat, nonstop, you know, stories about you. It's, it's, it's generally, well, I'll let you put it in your words. It's, it's generally a night of storytelling, is it not? Well, for sure. And I, and I think especially because this one's uh, honoring scouts, the scouts of Western Canada, we're creating the wall of honor in the Okotoks arena. Uh, we're thinking of all the people who are the storytellers. They're the backbone of storytelling in, in hockey. So among my reflections, when they decided to ask me to be roasted, I thought to myself, well, you know, I got my start at Hockey Night. Uh, I go back, Steve Smith in 86, he put the puck in his own net, and we all know what happened there. The Oilers put their mm-hmm. chance at five in a row. And that was the same year, 1986, that Bill Buckner botched the ground ball across the Red Sox World Series opportunity. And it's the same year that Hockey Night hired me. So, so <laughs> you know what they say about bad luck. <laughs> in threes, that's right. They picked the right guy to roast, uh, but but it's because of the scouts, uh, and I'm I'm sure we're all a little worried. We, you know, nowadays you, you want to be careful what you do, but it's a it's a mm-hmm. night of chirps. It's definitely uh, you know digs, and John Shannon will have oodles of them because he saw me. Uh, I remember uh, Eric, my first year, uh, I did hockey net in Canada, I got through it. Now it's night one of year two, and I'm at Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto, and the iconic Dan Kelly play-by-play announcer for the St. Louis Blues and American Network telecasts. He's in the rink. And uh, Dan Kelly says to me, how's our buddy John Shannon? And I said, uh, well, Dan, he seems to be in a great mood. You know, he, he's just not this, you know, uh, over the top. Uh, he's, his energy level is still there, but he doesn't seem to be quite as, uh, you know, on the bit. Uh, he, he seems friendly on the job. And uh, Dan Kelly looked at me. He says, well, maybe you've improved. <laughs> <laughs> he was attributing John's uh, lack of yelling to, to that. But, yeah, so he'll have Elliot's obviously got the inside track on uh, on everything that's been going on, whether it's the Olympics or Hockey Night in Canada. Kevin Lowe is just a, you know, a great friend. And, God, I remember 
Kevin used to be so in the middle of the Battle of Alberta. He, nobody brought more to it than him. Uh, I, I recall him in the cinder block hallways at the Dome, just apoplectic at Neil Sheehy. He really, Neil Sheehy, of all the flames that got under his skin, he was the best at it. And I can remember this, you know, guy that was writing the book Champions and, you know, best interview on television, completely undone night after night here in Calgary. So I'm sure it'll fire him up to be here. And Peter Mars, uh, you know, obviously... Uh, got the scoop too from my early years with Ed Whalen. So yeah, it's a, it's a lovely get together of uh, it's a great reunion for us, but it's in the name of all those scouts and we can go through, you know, when I would do the shows at uh, Max Bell, it was always Luke Jankowski who is an NHL player and above all a gentleman. He's all over the hockey scene. You know, I'd have to tell you. Wally Kozak, when I would go over to Father David Bauer, he was kind of my go-to guy. I'd see Sheldon Ferguson. John Chapman would help me out. Jerry Melnick, the Flames guys, Ian McKenzie, Jerry Blair would come on for me. Uh, when I'd go up to Fort Saskatchewan, Tyson Jost now plays in Buffalo. His granddad, Jim, was my go-to guest, and Dave Cranston was another guy up there. And you know, All these names just kind of rattle around on a, on a night like we'll have tomorrow. And and it's great. Uh, again, we're, we're talking to Ron McLean. I don't think I need to introduce him. Uh, but I, I wanted to just, I want to give love to this because, it, not just because you're coming and because it's going to be a fantastic night, but I really love the initiative. And, and you know, one of the first questions I asked Garth Malarchuk, and of course he's brother to Clint Malarchuk, who people in Calgary remember as the goalie coach, and, and of course that incident uh, with the jugular back in Buffalo all those years ago. Um, but But you tell me, there's no scout in the in the NHL or the Hockey Hall of Fame. There are people who have scouted and moved their way up, but there's just right. not a recognition of scouts in general in the world of hockey. Would you agree with that statement? Oh, and you know, when you think about like Ian McKenzie, honestly, Eric, I could go on for hours about, uh, well, I'll give you one of my favorite memories is uh, Glenn Hall was the goalie coach for the uh, Calgary Flames. When I broke in in 84-85, imagine, it's Glenn Hall. So you're talking one of the heroes of heroes is is the guy who's trying to make a decision. This is going into the 85-86 season. Reggie Lemlin is the number one guy, and they have three candidates to replace uh, Don Edwards, who's moved on. Rich Costey is a kid out of college. Doug Dadswell is a kid out of college. And Shaky Demore, Mark Demore. Those three goalies, one of them is going to get the backup role. So we're at the Moncton Coliseum in New Brunswick. And Jerry Blair, Ian McKenzie, Donnie Graham, Cliff Fletcher, Al McNeil, Al Coates, some of you are old enough to remember this was uh, the brain trust of the Calgary Flames. They're all there with uh, Glenn Hall. And they all go to lunch, but they forget Glenn. So I'm 24 years old, and it's just me and Glenn Hall eating a hot dog at the concession at the Moncton Coliseum. And at one point, Glenn and I are just sitting there watching the two-a-days, and I go, I have to go to the bathroom. So I leave Glenn. When I come back... Bob Johnson, Pierre Paget, the late Bob Murdoch, God love him. They're sitting now with Glenn Hall. And the rest of the guys, the deserters, are back from lunch. And they're coming up the stairs and they're settling in around Glenn Hall. And, you know, you can picture there's about four or five guys right behind Glenn Hall and another three guys in the row above that. And Al Coates and I sit in the row above that. And I'm looking at one point, 10 minutes into this, nothing seemed to be said. Glenn didn't get mad. uh, So I was kind of surprised at that. Now... Glenn opens his binder and starts to make notes. And me, you know, hotshot young cub reporter, I'm going to get the scoop on who the backup goalie is. I'm going to look over all these gentlemen into that binder and see what Glenn has written down in terms of who he's got as his favorite. And when I look into the binder, it's big, sharpie, thick, black capital letters, F-U. <laughs> not to me, it was to the other guys for leaving him and going to lunch without him. So that oh, was nice. the message to yeah, all the scouts. It was so funny. And, and again, that's, those stories, there's a million of them. But 
it kind of spells out, uh, you know, what, what those guys are just as important as the Glenn Halls, just as important as the Badger Bob Johnsons. I mean, what what Ian McKenzie did, you know, the, the 84 draft my first year, they had Gary Roberts, Brett Hall, Gary Suter, imagine. And, you know, Edmonton, of course, the 79, three Hall of Famers in one draft, Kevin Lowe, Mark Messier, Glenn Anderson, that's Barry Fraser and Lauren Davis. Uh, just uh, unbelievable work. You are the perfect man to have a roast for these people because you <laughs> are the one who knows all their names and gives them their due. And and just to recap, people, if, if, if anyone's interested in seeing this roast tomorrow, there are still tickets available. Just talk to Garth and he said, yep, no problem. Go to okotoksoilers.ca. 250 bucks gets you a meal at the arena. Yep. And that's where they're going to put the wall of fame for these scouts, these Western Canadian professional scouts. That's where they want to have it. And the, the foundation is also with you know in mind to try and help scouts there there's one in particular right now is struggling and could use a little help financially and they mm-hmm. want to make sure that they're there for him and that's what this is kind of all about absolutely craig button is going to be uh, really important to honoring those who we put on the wall on saturday night uh, a little shout out to billy melville too who i've worked with extensively on uh, chuck wagon racing at the calgary stampede billy's going to do the auction for us so we've got cadre sweater and Honor Bedard. you yeah. saw him last night you know i mean we've got all kinds of great uh, stuff to auction off and that's done online as well and back to garth you know for just a second i had the honor one year at the calgary stampede clint was in the rodeo arena as he always was picking up flank straps <laughs> he's an nhl goaltender and as you mentioned the the slash throw but i mean he took on way more danger yes he was a cowboy and he would go into that foolish uh, arena and pick up the flank straps and put his career on the line time after time Anyway, Clint said, uh, Garth's just redoing the dressing room at Acadia. They're, they're redoing the Calgary Buffalo's room. Would you mind coming down and giving us a hand? So I was down in there, you know, making their little dressing room at Acadia Arena look professional, and it was. Garth's amazing and has been, for uh, obviously, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, and then his brother, Clint, when uh, Clint wrote his book, and he kind of revealed his uh, demons with, uh, you know, addiction and how it amazing great story that he broke that chain of addiction and so he's up in grand prairie doing rogers hometown hockey to promote the book and when we were just about to go on the air in our little mobile trader that we used as a studio a door opens on the mobile studio and the howling wind in grand prairie it's minus 40 and snowing comes in and blows all over tara sloan me and clint and and I uh, can't really see who's coming in because of the TV lights. Well, it was Kelly Sutherland, the 12-time world champion chuck wagon driver, who'd also oh. broken the chain of uh, drinking addiction. And, and he was there to support Clint. And uh, that was another just an amazing thread. So to have Billy Melville join us is, uh, is a highlight, too. Yeah, that's great. Ron, it's it's funny as, as you're going through and, and talking to Eric, uh, by the way, and if you want more information as, as Eric was talking about, about the Western Canada Professional Scouts Foundation, their website is HockeyScoutsFoundation.com. All kinds of information about the wall and uh, what they're doing. You, you talk about Tim Hunter and you're throwing out the brain trust names, Cliff Fletcher and Al Coates of the Flames, and we're coming up on the 30, this is the 35th anniversary season of the Flames. 1989 Stanley Cup win and when we get to May 25th 2024 it'll be 35 years to the date I I just uh I'm I'm curious like for for those listening who maybe didn't get a chance to experience like take us through take us through the Ron McLean memories of that 89 run well the the cool part is that they'd met in 86 Montreal and uh Calgary and obviously Patrick Roy and Mike Vernon were you know as good a goalie duel 
as you're going to find. Uh, so there was a tremendous drama in two great lineups. Um, I, I just remember uh, Don Cherry and we were staying at the Bonavista Hotel in Montreal on the day of Game Six, and uh, Sonia Scurfield, all Cliff Fletcher brought you know all the wives of uh, players and management, and everybody was in town. Nobody's supposed to win in Montreal, but Cliff thought they could. And so Don and I go by the pool where a lot of the folks are just sitting around making small talk. And Sonia Scurfield uh, was one of the owners, of course, Ralph's wife. Ralph was gone by then. And uh, she said to Don Cherry, what do you think, uh, Mr. Cherry? He says, well, nobody wins in the form. You're not going to win tonight, but you're going to win it back in Calgary. And she says, well, Mr. Cherry, you're wrong. <laughs> They're winning tonight. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and she was right. It was a, it was a really funny uh, moment, and I just you know Lanny, of course, uh, for him to score. First of all, he scored his first goal in the NHL in Montreal before him, and he scored his last goal heroically to win the Stanley Cup in '89. But his dad, Lorne, always said, "Yeah, the goal was great, but it wasn't that that won us the cup, Lanny. It was the two big hits." on Larry Robinson, and he did get to Larry Robinson twice in that game and set a pass over tea kettle. And, and Lanny was a, you know, there's a, a reverse version of what we were talking about, Eric and Pat. He actually became a very good scout. You know, when we built the 2002 Olympic team, Kevin Lowe and Wayne Gretzky kind of, a lot of their image, you know, connected to them in the stands at Salt Lake City. But it was Lanny who had the world championship team the year before, and Michael Pekka had played through injury, and Ryan Smith uh, impressed him so and so he really pitched for the Edmonton Oilers Smith to make the team and funny enough Ryan broke his ankle in November of that year the 01-02 season and it was Ken Lowe uh, trainer of the Oilers Kevin's older brother who said to Ryan Smith that day he said don't worry kid I'm going to have you back in time for the Olympic Games and he did uh, so that's kind of a cool thing we're in Barakat Murray's hometown and that's some Kevin Lowe Ken Lowe work for you yeah absolutely I uh I've always I've always wanted somebody's I I cuz you're you're getting Peter Marr as one of your roasters and I'll say this I've heard I've heard Peter Marr roast before he you know you you may have some you, Tim Hunter might work blue I don't Elliot Elliot's got a bit of a foul mouth if uh, you get a drink or two into him uh, but you will not you will not get a single four letter word out of Peter Marr at your roast he just he will not do it no it's funny, I was at an event in Kelowna a week or so ago, and Brett Wilson was the other speaker. And uh, so I, when I got on, he did the noon hour keynote, and I did the evening keynote. And I said, it's been a great week. Uh, I saw Oppenheimer earlier in the week, guy who invented the atom bomb, and I got Brett Wilson, guy who invented the F-bomb. So anyway, I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> it was a funny, he was on fire that day, I'll tell you. But uh, Peter, you know, I remember, funny, stupidest things you remember, but I was at the Thunderbird Hotel in Minnesota. And the Thunderbird was a lot of trouble. Uh, so many teams had trouble. I don't know what it was, but, you know, there's certain stops along the NHL circuit in the old days that used to bring out trouble, or mischief at least. And uh, But this is not involving Peter. Peter's room was next to mine. And he started to file his reports. And you know how he's got this booming voice, right? So he's in the room next to me, and I'm trying to get some sleep. And he's, you know, all right, this is... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Flames Radio, uh, 740 hit, coming down in 3, 2, and 1. And do the report, and then he'd go to the 840 report, and then you go to the noon report, and then the 5 p.m. report, and then game day interview, and oh, my God. He would he worked so hard. Uh, he was an inspiration, but he was loud. 
<laughs> did you did you know that he never so I, I had the the great privilege of of working with Peter on on our Flames radio broadcast for uh, a good five or six years before before he retired and, and honestly one of two or three human beings that that taught me more than anything I'll ever know in this industry he he had you know he would be on the road and and he'd make sure that if it's a good road city he'd enjoy it whether it was Chicago or or New York like he, he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna not have a, a good night out he never once missed a he did an 8 a.m morning hit every single weekday so whether he was on the west coast or out east did not matter what the situation he never once missed one of those morning radio hits which is to your point just a a testament to the hard work of the hall of famer well and bob cole was like that for me bob would go to broadway he'd go see sinatra perform in pittsburgh last tour and he made sure to experience, and that, that was, uh, you know, famously what Glenn Sather did for the Young Oilers, right? As he said, you know, you've got to have some culture. You've got to have some escape from thinking or dwelling 24-7 about hockey. Um, so I, I think it was a great lesson. Obviously, I had Ed Whalen as my uh, sidekick for the first two years, Pat, and I can still remember the, and John Davidson, you know, bless John Davidson's heart. I sent him a really nice, we didn't talk to each other, but I gave him a really nice pep talk after the, Mike Babcock debacle. Um, but he was, he was, there was, the two of them were just like such great uh, teachers. Uh, we got on the bus. The first game I ever did was in Washington and they lost Calgary, but I was quite pleased with myself, thought got through that alive and seemed to go okay. And so John Davidson had to kind of pull me aside in the bus and say, Ron, you know, when the team loses, we're not all smiles and giggles. We, we, we try to feign that we're as upset as the players are. <laughs> so, But it was a good lesson. And then Ed was just, uh, you know, he championed uh, the idea. He almost gave me a little bit of a, uh, well, he told me how bad he was his first show. Uh, and, and he had to walk out after 20 minutes of play-by-play at the Saddle Dome and just give himself uh, a kick in the ass. And he just said, you know, for me, a little bit of anger was a gift uh, to keep that, you know, frame of mind, because if you allow yourself to, to worry too, too much, uh, you'll struggle mightily. So he was, a, yeah, he was a godsend. He, he and Nomi were both uh, incredible for a young broadcaster. It's funny you say about feigning that you're all sad. I mean, it, that, <laughs> yeah. that is an age-old tradition in the National Hockey League, and I'm sure in a lot of other sports too. But as you know, we've all been in an elevator after a game with an opposing yeah. GM or, yep. the, or the, the home GM, whatever, or management types, and not a word is said. It's the longest it. elevator ride you'll ever go on. No, you don't make eye contact. You might have something really important or funny to say, but I promise you, you shouldn't say it because those guys have to – well, they're not pretending, I don't think, but we are, that we're all really, really sad and taking this loss very hard. That's right. Well, and, and same with the Black Aces, right, Eric? Uh, they, they have to – you know, they're probably yeah. pity that the, the team that was out there lost. <laughs> they can so they have a chance. Yeah, That's exactly. right. But it uh, – because exactly. I, I do – yeah, I have – so many memories of black aces gathering and stealing our beer uh you know they would all they had nowhere to go right they really didn't feel like they belonged in the dressing room proper after a stanley cup triumph so they'd come into the hockey night in canada dressing room and we would have a little barrel of beer that was for the crew and everyone else and all the black aces of various teams over the years took it all but we didn't blame them <laughs> listen i uh, hey i remember the first time i met you it was at john davidson's golf tournament like it's got to be 27 years ago something like a quarter of a century ago and I remember we were calling you the BC bootlegger. Nobody preps for a night of fun like you. 
Uh, several yeah. cases of beer. The tub is filled with ice. It's that traditional fill the tub with or the sink, but we needed the tub on this occasion for sure. <laughs> and it was filled with all sorts of kokanee and BC products, and you were the one who made sure it all happened. Well, that was my youth, right? We, we would leave uh, Red Deer and go over to Kelowna, and then we'd go and steal kokanee beer from BC. In those years, it was made all exclusively in Creston. Uh, and it was just such a little scarce product. And you were only allowed to bring, uh, I think, 48 back into the province, but we would have the motorhome, every little nook and cranny of the motorhome jammed with kokanee. So I'm glad you remember that, Eric. I don't, as usual. But I, I will say Marshall Davidson, John's brother, is huge in this. And just a shout-out to the Lowingers down in uh, Wayne and Brent and everybody for uh, their support. The Okotoks Oilers is uh, just becoming one of the great, great hockey stories. Uh, so they're they're. You couldn't have picked a better rink to have the scouts honored. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Uh, listen, we got to let you go. Thank you so much for doing this. But I wanted to ask you one last thing because I had the pleasure of working with you for two years on the hot stove. And it'll surprise no one to hear that you treated me with nothing but grace. And, and uh, you, you were such, just such a pleasure to work with. And I wanted to just ask you very briefly, can you just tell people who don't remember? Because I get people who still stop me. It was it's probably been eight or nine years since I've been on the hot stove, and it's it's been gone for that long because I was mm-hmm. on it for the very last year that it was. Can you just speak to the brilliance of that format? I'm not going to ask you if you miss it because obviously you guys have. Of course I do. Yes, and you know what I miss most about it, Eric, and this was John Shannon's idea. Full credit to John mm-hmm. uh, was to to have a Western. You know, I, I will say. John learned it from Ralph Mellenby in a sense because Mellenby uh, made sure to have Jim Robson from Vancouver, Bob Cole from St. John's, Newfoundland, Dick Irvin from Regina, Saskatchewan. Uh, He wanted representation from all corners of Canada. Uh, And that was the magic. And Dick Irvin to this day will tell you, nothing gives him a bigger kick on Hockey Night in Canada than seeing four boxes. One says Toronto, one says Calgary, Mm -hmm. one says maybe Los Angeles. Uh, You know, that that feeling of uh, transporting folks... uh, all around the continent is uh it's important on two fronts it, it just looks big it, it makes you feel like you have the luxury of a ticket in all these different places but it also gives you the sense that you're dialed into a story that's more than just toronto's story that that is enormous uh for for hockey night in canada so you know it's it's hard for us to please seven canadian teams on a saturday night so we headquarter in one and everybody does these studio shows um, but you do miss a lot when you don't have a voice uh, coming from all points. I tell you, I miss it as a viewer. I, I just love yeah. the, the, the back and forth. And, and, and I remember the years I was there, it was Glenn Healy and Mike Milbury. They'd wear the black hat. They knew that they were being the bad guy and they'd take the other side of every argument. And Well, how do you it feel, Larry? I, I, I think the one thing that happened that, for me, uh, kind of hurt the hot stove was when the union was broken in 06. Uh, well, back in, actually earlier in 0405, you know, when they lost that fight, when there was no longer a fight over, uh, you know, the Players Association became a bit of a house union. I think that ended that pipeline of now maybe we're seeing a little bit with the Babcock story and a few other things percolating. Maybe we're seeing a bit of the return, but I, I don't feel there's quite the uh, you know uh, black and white. It used to be the league, you know, JD would get his sources at the league and or Elliot or you would go and get something from the PA. That was great when we had that kind of war between the two sides for television. Yeah. Not necessarily saying it was great for the game, but it was it was great for yeah. the storytelling. Don't think that exists the same way. No, and I, I remember it was Batman who basically said, guys, stop airing our dirty laundry on your show. And, and obviously the rights changed from being, uh, right. you've changed from being a rights holder to being a partner and partners don't air their dirty laundry on national TV and I get it, but uh, I sure miss it. I thought I thought it was great. 
Me too. Hey, so was our chat. So was our chat. Thanks, Ron, so much. Uh, yeah. So you're, you're here. You're coming to the building tonight. You're yeah, gonna come I'll, see, watch I'll the see you down over. at the game. I'm just going to go get Elliot right now and uh, tell him to clean up a bit, and then I'll bring him down. Oh, good luck with that. All right. Thanks, Ron. <laughs> appreciate it. We'll okay. talk again yeah, soon. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Eric. See you now. There you see go. You, so there it is. Ron McLean. That was pretty neat. Yeah, it's always great to talk to Ron. I got to tell you, I, I mean, again, class act, nobody disagrees with that. Um, when I was on the hot stove, I was – especially at first you're you're nervous you don't you you know and he just calms you right down he's such a pro and how funny is it at the end he says he doesn't remember that time when we were drinking in bc that might be the only moment of his life he doesn't remember like what a steel trap uh for a mind and and elliot's the same way you know you know some of our best broadcasters we have in our country right now i think they're there because they just don't forget a a damn thing and uh that's why uh, i can't i could never do what those guys do i can't remember what i did two days ago so good on them always good it's all it's and and i've always appreciated that ron always listens to the segment prior to when he's coming on he's always listening and he always like you always know that he has heard what you have just talked about it's all i it's Mm -hmm. like straight and i i started doing the same thing because i was like well if ron mclean does it then uh, maybe maybe i should uh, give that a try it just and and then he comes in and you feel like he's part of the conversation Mm -hmm. already yeah it's uh it's a good little trick that he, he didn't even teach me directly that I just picked up having interviewed him a couple times in a similar format. Not uh, not bad. You want to you want to give the uh, give the event info one more time for Saturday night? Yeah, it's the celebrity roast of Ron McLean in uh, and it's all to raise money for the uh, Western Canadian Professional Hockey Scouts Foundation. They've just started this brand new. They want to put up a wall of fame for scouts that have just, you know, kind of in obscurity, you know, found and mined some of the great players of all time, and they just don't get their due. So this is a real nice initiative. Plus, they're also raising money to help fellow scouts who are maybe coming across hard times. Foothills Centennial Center in Okotoks, that's the rink. Okotoksoilers.ca is where you can get the tickets. They're 250 bucks. You're going to get a meal, and you're going to get a million great stories from Ron McLean, about Ron McLean, and uh, from guys like Elliot Peter Marr, John Shannon, Tim Hunter, Kevin Lowe, Craig Button. It's going to be fantastic. So I'll, I'm going down there for sure. I just want to go and be a spectator yeah. and just enjoy the whole evening. That is Saturday night, and uh, OkotoksOilers.com is where you get it done. Now, by the way, Ron joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. You're locked on Flames Talk, only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Right, we roll on this Friday. It's the Eric Francis Hour brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. Live thoroughbred racing back every Saturday and Sunday at Century Downs Racetrack and Casino. Post time, 1245. Visit thehorses.com. Must be 18 plus. Please play responsibly. Steinberg, Eric Francis from the Dome. You know as uh, well as anybody, the, uh, the horses. Uh, put a ton of money back into this province. So uh, awesome to have them on board for mm-hmm. the Eric Francis Hour for the coming year. You like to wager the odd? Uh, I do indeed. Yeah, you like the odd game I of chance. I do yeah. indeed. Yeah. yeah, I like. I like. Okay, the then you, yeah, you and I are going to head up to Century Downs there. Like I like doing a good uh, box uh, box trifecta. Yeah, superfecta. Yeah, yeah, you got to box them. Oh, I yeah. I don't have the I don't have the knowledge to not box them. So no, um, no. you got to increase your odds. Cost you, it costs you, but you know, 
You got to box them. You gotta get, all of a sudden, you got all the different permutations you got to pay for. But then that pay. I remember one year watching uh, watching the Kentucky Derby off track. Longtime listener did not box a Superfecta. He put a hundred dollars down on the Superfecta. Would have won him about one hundred and fifty k. He missed it by one horse. He got oh. the one, two, three, and the five. He missed the four. When I was, I want to say I was 16. You can gamble, I think, when you're 16, can't you? In, in Ontario, when I was growing up. Anyway, we went down, went to the track. My buddy and I started going. And one night I told my parents, I said, I'm just going to the library to study. And my buddy and I went, and we went to the track. And we had this incredible night that it's never been dupli- duplicated. It was just dumb luck. And we won, like, two out of three exactas, two out of three trifectas. Uh, and and, and something like, we won something like seven of the ten races. Which, yeah. It was just one of those ridiculous nights. And we're playing with pennies we were just kids right like you know five dollars anyway we came home and i think i had eight or nine hundred dollars you know i went with like 50 and came back with eight nine like to me i thought i just won the lottery and i went back i went straight into the room i remember my parents were watching tv and i walked in i stood right in front of the tv so they couldn't see it and i said listen i just want to come clean with you guys i told you i was going to the library to study but I went to the track instead, and I'm and then I started making it rain. I started because it was all ca- you know cash, cash, just throwing it up in the air, and it's going all over the room. And I, we won this this race, that race. And I remember my parents calmly saying, "Well, there it is. You don't need to go to school ever again. If you've got it figured out, and you can just go to the horses and win eight nine hundred dollars every night, then don't even think about going to to high school anymore or even post secondary education. You got to figure it out." I'm like, yeah, way to ruin it, guys. Like, I'm just trying to have a little fun. I had, they're like, yeah, well, don't do that again. <laughs> I like that. Um, so thanks to the horses uh, and Horse Racing Alberta for bringing us the, bringing you the Eric Francis Hour. Lots of flames topics to dive into around the horn, um, and and it is a it's a somber mood right now around here um, as as. We're all just thinking of the Snow family and Kelsey and Willa and Cohen and sending all the, the vibes to uh, the healing vibes, the good vibes, the, the comforting vibes, whatever we can to the Snow family, Chris and Kelsey and the kids. It's been, uh, it's been a really somber last 48 hours or so, hey? Yeah, for sure. You know, they're, they're neighbors of ours, too. You know, we live in the same neighborhood. And so I see Cohen at, at the rink a lot. I see... I see Willa. I see. I, I see all of them. You know, whether it's baseball or you know our kids, our boys are the same age. And uh, you know, it's. I have a video, and I'm not sure I'm going to share it on Twitter just because it's. I, I. But it. It was Father's Day 2022, mm-hmm. and it was the the Foothills Little League season-ending jamboree. You know, hot dogs and popsicles for the kids. Yeah. And they have a home run contest, and anyway, the team that Cohen was on coached by a friend of mine uh, Sheldon Najelski and, and they they did this the left the 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 left-handed challenge and anyway then Chris went up to bat Cohen was pitching and there were a whole bunch of kids milling about in the outfield and Chris had very little use of his right hand then and so he's batting right-handed and his son throws one in and he golfs it right out and everyone that who was kind of watching this special moment just kind of went oh my god and it went right off the fence. He, he hit it pretty deep. And Cohen started jumping up and down like, that's my dad. You know, he really hit it far. And Chris dropped the bat. You know, he with the ALS, he couldn't smile anymore, but you knew he was just beaming inside. He dropped the bat kind of triumphantly, and he went straight out to the mound, and he picked up Cohen, and he gave him a big bear hug. 
and then lifted him off the ground as he did it. And Cohen was patting him on the back like, way to go, Dad, that was awesome. And I just thought, that, that, those are the moments that Chris Snow, you know, kept living for. You know, those, those chances, every moment he could to spend with his kids and be a family man and, 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 and do whatever he could, even though, you know, his body was deteriorating. I just, that's how I want to remember Chris mm -hmm. as a guy who swung for the fence every day and just kept going despite some horrific setbacks on a daily basis. And that, that, that's how I'm going to remember Chris and, forever. And, and I, uh, I just want to share this picture with you. So I won't, I won't say who, uh, who this gentleman is, but gentleman who used to work in analytics with, uh, with Chris um, no longer does, but they became really, really close friends. And, and I've gotten to know uh, this, this gentleman really, really well. And so we've been talking a lot. We talk a lot all the time. I see him downtown all the time, but we've been talking a lot the last 48 hours. And he just sent this picture, one of the last games he worked, and uh, he says the he said I wanted to make sure I took this picture. Oh, yeah. And he says the last time he saw Chris smile, and it's just a it's a great picture of Snowy because he had just the the he has this in, infectious smile, right? Yeah. And and so I just wanted to show you that I know you can't see it. You're listening radio podcast, but uh, it's a really really good pic of of Chris and this other gentleman, and and uh, uh, it just it, it put a big smile on my face when he sent that a little oh. earlier on Friday. And uh, I'll tell you what, his son is a Really good hockey player. I haven't seen Willa play in a while. I'm sure she's really good too, but Chris did a great job teaching him because he's He's playing double A hockey with the North Stars in town. He's just a great little player. I'm, I'm, yeah, happy for him. That's good. And, yeah. and it was so cool to see Cohen on Wednesday at the uh, at Winsport. Yeah, we didn't know when we saw Cohen at Winsport, and then we saw him again here at the Saddle Dome for the Michael Backlund News Conference, and um, that was that was great and also really hard and uh to see connie craig conroy almost break down when he was talking about cohen it's just it's been a really 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 hard and and somber last 48 hours and, and obviously just a a devastating time for the flames family so um and and yet wednesday pretty also a really positive day for the organization with them making the right call i don't you and I don't disagree. We've been we've, we've been talking for weeks now how it was trending this way, how mm -hmm. Michael's had the change of heart and he's been kind of moving in this direction for some time. And uh, and, and it finally culminated with him signing a two-year extension and being named captain. You, me, and Vixie were in Penticton, and that's when I first threw out there to you guys. You remember I yeah. said, guys, I understand that he wants to have a sit-down with Craig. He's had a long conversation with his wife, Frida, and he wants to talk to Craig. And he wants to, you know, and I thought, oh, I'm going to follow that up. And that's where I kind of said to you guys, I wouldn't be surprised if he's had a change of heart. Now that he's back in town with all the changes that were made. And sure enough, that's exactly what he did. And it's funny, just coming in, uh, the guy who mans the uh, security gate where the players drive in, I was walking in there and he says, the guy who they just named captain, I'm not even sure that the security guard knows his name, but he goes, the guy who they named captain is the best guy on the whole team for autographs. You know, after the game, there's often people waiting for autographs. He said, Backlund has always been the guy who will stay the longest and is the nicest to everybody. So he said, the right guy got named, and I, I don't disagree. For other reasons than that, <laughs> I, I agree that he should be captain. But it is funny, the odd person, I heard you guys earlier in the week, some people writing, and this is a terrible idea. Man, anybody who knows anything about this team um, you know, and is around it on a daily basis knows that was the right call. There, there was oh, no, yeah. There was no... If he's not here, then we can start talking about Rasmus Anderson or other people. But if he signed, he knew he he was going to be the captain. So right call was made, and 
I'm, I'm glad that he got it. What do we think about the contract itself? The, the call to make him captain, it's, it's a no-brainer. Signs a two-year extension at four and a half million dollars. I just think it's win-win for both sides. Absolutely, it's, team, it's a great. It's a great deal on both ends. It's team friendly, although the player still does well as a thirty-five-year-old. But he'll be thirty-five by the time that one kicks in. Um, you know, he took a discount from what he's making right now, even though he just came off a career year. It's only two years. It's not handcuffing you in any way. It still gives you the opportunity to do one-year deals after that if you, if he's still playing at a good level, or if you know if it works out. I, I just think for a million reasons, uh, there's nothing uh, about what happened uh, that day that didn't make 100% uh, sense for, for the organization and for the player. Like, it, Had he not decided to sign within the next week or so, it would have been something that I think he would regret for a lot of years. And I gave him my whole theory on this. Uh, about a week and a half ago, I said, "Like, I, I just see this. I see you changing your mind. I could just see this. And you, if you don't do it, then you'll, you'll always remember that you could have been a captain of an NHL team, but you decided to move on. And I know Frida loves it here, and kids love it here, and you love it. Like, I just, I, I see, I, I'm sure you're going to sign, right? And he just stands there stone-faced. We'll see. <laughs> Same thing he said to Wes. He just kept stonewalling us the whole time. And he, but he smiled, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you're signing here. So I'm glad he did thousand games you'll get in yeah um that makes sense too right and you know what like this year he'll become number two all time you'll pass mark giordano on the all-time games played list if he plays close to 82 over the next three seasons then a one-year contract extension will uh, get him into the all-time games played list so, oh. And I don't think that's out of the – as Craig Conroy told us when he sat down with Wes and I on Wednesday, he's like, we're not saying that that's the end of Michael Backlund here. It's just for now it's a two-year extension. He's like, yeah. I played on like three one-year extensions at the end of my career. So could very well see Bax be the all-time games played leader when it's all said and done. He finished second in fitness testing this year, right, at age 34. Yep. That says a little bit about his dedication, about his longevity. And, uh, hey, we don't need to get three years ahead of ourselves right now, but uh, it's uh, – it was a good day. Vickers wants to well, say Vixie something. Vixie wants to say something. That must mean it's important. Well, it's just funny because on Wednesday when we broke into one-on-ones, I asked him, I mean, like, you signed this contract. What does it mean for you? Because now realistically you can go your entire career from draft day to your final day as a member of the Calgary Flames. He cuts me off halfway. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Just because I signed this doesn't mean I'm done. Yeah. I'm not done after this. Good. And, again, career year, last season. Mm-hmm. Second fittest flame, again, for what, second or third year in a row? There's yeah. some longevity here, but he was so adamant to me, like, hey, let's not talk about no, why would you this, this being my last contract. I'm not done whatsoever. No, exactly. Uh, as we, uh, okay, you wanted, to, you wanted to inform us all of who the 12 forwards are going to be to start the year. Please, please enlighten us. Yeah, here's the, the Huberdeau, Lindholm, Sharon Govich line, and they're uh-huh. going to start the season with that. Rizicka, Kadri, Coronado. That's put that in stone. Oh, according to me, I'm okay. just you know okay. it's not it, obviously any of this is subject to change. No, but I'm it's, just it's, telling this you, is ironclad. I can just tell you that I know that management wants dearly for this Rizicka <laughs> thing to work out. They do. They, they're, they, they do. And I think they're willing to put a good twenty games into it to give it a chance. And if it doesn't work after 20 games, then then he's probably squandered his chance. But they're going to give it a good long look. So put that down. Uh, obviously, the third line, I think we all think Mangiapane, Backlund, and Coleman. And then the guy who I think is going to replace Pelche, and I had originally predicted he'd be the 13th forward starting the season, and now I think he'll be the 12th forward starting the season, is going to be Adam Klapka. He's going to play on the left side of that energy line uh, with uh, Dubé in the middle. 
and do her on the right. Wow, Dylan Dubé demoted to fourth line center. Energy. No, he's an energy player, right? They'll talk about how he can drive a line. They know that he can play center. I don't think they want him to play center, but they can play him center. Listen, I'd love to hear your list of guys in terms of who's next up, like who the 13 forward is going to be. Like right now, I'd put at the top of the list Dryden Hunt. I think he's and, in the mix. And he, you know. I think Kevin Rooney's still in the mix on a one way contract. Yeah. I think organizationally, they would love not to have $1.3 million uh, being paid in the American mm-hmm. League. Uh, so I think Rooney's in the mix. I think Dryden Hunt's had himself a really good camp. Um, I do think Klapka is, has put himself on the radar here. I think Connor Zeri has put himself on yep. the radar. Those would be the four that I think have, have got the best chance of maybe popping onto a roster spot. Maybe not opening night lineup, yeah. but roster spot with Jacob Pelche. The other thing is we don't know what they're going to do salary cap-wise. Does Craig decide to go LTIR with either Shillington or Pelche to start the year, or mm-hmm. doesn't he? And there are reasons not to, and there are also reasons to. Uh, I'm, that, that's also going to play into what this opening night roster and lineup looks like. And I can also tell you that uh, don't expect to see 22 men on this roster very often this year. They're going to go with just one guy sitting uh, a lot for cap purposes. 23, you mean? Sorry, 20. No, so 21. You think they're going to go with 21 a lot of the time? Yeah. Okay. I really do. Like, I think you're going to see one guy in the press box. That's okay. it. Like, it, to me, that makes so much sense. When your affiliate is in the same city yeah. as you, you don't have to worry about getting caught with your pants down because you, you have to travel for a whole day to for bring sure. a guy somewhere. On the road, it might be different. They may have to go with an extra forward and a defender. And for sure, there are going to be a lot of cases like that, especially on long road trips. Uh, but I think that a lot of times when they're on long homestands and such, you're going to see guys... They're going to cut it as close as they can. Well, the Why more, wouldn't you? The more that you can save daily on your salary cap, the better, especially mm-hmm. when you're a cap-strapped team like the Flames. Uh, so that wouldn't uh, – I just – I I think Dubé needs to be higher up the lineup. I really do. I love him higher in the lineup too, and there's, that's the biggest quandary to me. Dubé or Rizicka on that second line? That to me is the biggest debate that they're going to have. Yep. And it's a good debate to have. I think both of them can upbring a lot. I just don't – because Ruzicka could easily go down and be your fourth-line center, but that's not the role they want him in. I know. They think that he can be not a point-of-game guy like he was for a spurt last year, but they think with that size and all the things he brings, and we've talked about it endlessly, but that's their ideal fit. Him, a top six forward from now to the – till he's named captain one day. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. What? Just, uh, I'm kidding. I'm not predicting that one. <laughs> ra- let's wrap up with story time. Oh, it's story time. I, I was going to tell, because Ron McLean was on earlier, I was going to tell a story about one time, because I get asked about this from time to time. I had a big fight with Don Cherry when I was on Hockey Night in Canada. There's a, there's a long tradition where you go in after the segment. Those two traditions that Pierre Lebrun told me. One is, when you, what, if Don says anything in the first intermission about any sort of topic, you can't touch it in the second intermission, which I thought was ridiculous. But that's kind of the rule. Second was after our segment in the second intermission, we it, you always went into Don's office where Don and Ron were, and it was almost like kissing the ring of the, the like I anyway that was a tradition. So after our segment, Pierre and I would go in just say hi to Ron and Don, and we were already on the air with Ron, but you'd go see Don in his special room with all his TVs. And one one game, I decided that I was going to break the rule because I had broken a story. It was it was all about head hunting in the NHL. That was the big topic for the two years when I was on the hot stove, and 
uh, I can't remember who it was, a Boston Bruin, and he almost decapitated someone, knocked him out for a long time, and Andrew Ference came out and said, those are the hits we got to eliminate from the game. Instead of the teammates who always say, I didn't see it, when it's their own teammate, Andrew said, look, if we're going to get hits out of the game, we've got to be honest, even when our own teammate does it. We can't have headshots like that. Don Cherry went nuts in the first intermission over the quotes that I had written a column about. And he said that that's, that's a bad teammate. He threw his teammate under the bus and he should be out of, they should trade him. And I came on in the second intermission and talked about how Andrew Ference is a hero and it's guys like that are going to help change the game of hockey by getting headshots out. Well, after the segment went over, Pierre, said, Pierre Lebrun said to me, you're not, you can't go in there tonight. First of all, you talked about something you weren't supposed to talk about. Second of all, Don's going to be hot. I said, what are you talking about? Let's go in. Fine. I walk in and Don was hot. And both Pierre and Ron had to get in between us. And he was yelling at me. And he, what he kept saying was, you'll see whose show this is. You'll see whose show this is. This is Don Cherry yelling at me. And he says, you make sure you watch at the end of this game and you'll find out whose show this is. So I, I, I laughed it off. I, I said, let's hug it out. And I shouldn't have said that. I was. I kept. I thought he was kidding. I, I didn't think he was kidding, but I was like, "Really? You're that hot That's about very this?" Very Francis of you. And I said, "Let's, Let's hug it out." Hug it and out. Pierre's like, "No, you're get out of here. We get." So anyway, I walked briskly back to the hotel because I'm kind of like, "Oh my God, Rod, he's going to destroy me in between the first and second game." Sure enough, it's time for the, the game's over. There's a big long break between the two games, and Ron comes out of the break and goes, "Don, you wanted to talk about," and he didn't even get my name out. And he says, Eric Francis, Eric Francis. He said my name like 13 times as he ripped into me and talked about how I had no credibility in the game and he knew what it was like to be in a room and he knew that a guy like Andrew Ference was, was a bad apple in the room and how they were going to have to trade him or they were never going to go anywhere. I think, I think the Bruins won the cup that year with Ference, but I, I may be wrong. Uh, so, <laughs> but he went on and on and on and in some people's eyes, he just eviscerated me. Well, I thought it was the greatest thing that ever happened. But I'll never forget coming to the rink the next that that following Monday and people going, "Are you okay, man? Are you okay?" Like Don destroyed you, and I'm like, "Don Cherry said my name 13 times. I have arrived. This is a big moment for me. I think this is really cool." Plus, I also thought Don was way out of line and wrong about the whole thing, and he was sheepish the rest of the year. Every time I saw him, I think he knew he was wrong, but we can we'll never know. Well, we can, we don't have to debate that. It's a good way to wrap up the Eric Francis Hour. Yeah. Story time. There you go. Thanks, Franchise. Cheers, boys. The Eric Francis Hour comes to an end as we start to wrap up this hour on Flames Talk. Thanks to Cam and Taylor back at Sportsnet 960 World Control. And, of course, thanks to Ron McClain who joined us to kick off the hour. The Eric Francis Show brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. Live thoroughbred racing is back every Saturday and Sunday at Century Downs Racetrack and Casino. Post time, 1245. Visit thehorses.com. Must be 18+. plus. Please play responsibly.